This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Saturday, May 2nd, 2020. On this day in 1536, Henry VIII's second wife, Queen Anne, was arrested. To her face, she was accused of adultery, but in whispers, she was accused of incest, conspiracy, and even witchcraft. What's worse, her husband may have invented the entire story. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the arrest of Queen Anne Boleyn. Let's go back to London's Greenwich Palace early on the morning of May 2nd, 1536. saw the tides turning long before anyone else. The miscarried male heirs, the plodding courtiers, the beautiful Jane Seymour, all forces beyond her control, tugging away at her life like the moon tugs the ocean. The forces were nothing compared to her husband, of course. King Henry had started an entire religion merely to wed Anne. If he wanted to fend off the tides of change, he could. But instead, the middle-aged monarch was content with his mistresses and his gout. Anne knew her days were numbered. She just didn't know what number she was on. Despite Anne's paranoia, May 2nd was a day of merriment in Greenwich Palace, with May Day festivities and hangovers bleeding into the afternoon. Anne joined in spectating royal tennis. 10 love, 15 love, 30 10. Anne forgot her troubles for a few minutes until a messenger grabbed her attention. Her presence was required in the council chamber. She made haste. A meeting with the Privy Council was not to be ignored, even by the Queen Consort. But worried or not, Anne knew she had a few things in her favor, namely that the head of the council was her uncle, Thomas Howard, the Duke of Norfolk, and there was no known reason for his fellow members, Sir Fitzwilliam and Sir Paulet, to assassinate her character. They did so anyways. Anne stood accused of infidelity on three counts, and two of her accused lovers had already confessed. Anne pled her innocence. This was, as she put it, an unheard of cruelty. To even accuse a queen of such indiscretions, it appalled her. But Anne's own uncle replied with a mere haughty, barely better than Sir Fitzwilliam, who wasn't even listening to Anne's pleas, preferring to daydream. 
The council ordered Anne's arrest, but first she needed to get out of those clothes. Anne was a criminal now, not a queen. She'd better dress like one. She was taken to her chambers to change and quickly realized this was likely a ruse to get her out of the council chamber so her accusers wouldn't be put in the awkward position of waiting with her for the boat to arrive. They wouldn't be able to depart for the Tower of London until after 2 p.m. when the tides of the Thames turned and the river flowed west. Once again, Anne was helpless, watching turning tides. When 2 p.m. arrived, Anne's uncle was ready to see her again. Together, they boarded the boat to her prison. The boat was uncovered. That was no mistake. Anne's downfall was meant to be witnessed by the hundreds of Londoners along the Thames. By 5 p.m., the boat anchored at the tower's court gate. Anne stepped on dry land and fell to her knees in front of the fortress. She prayed to be released from this shame. But a twist of irony made her punishment all the worse. Anne was pulled to her feet and taken to the Queen's apartments in the tower's castle complex. These were the very same apartments refurbished for her use three years ago as Anne prepared to marry King Henry. If she was guilty, it was an embarrassment. If she was innocent, it was a slap in the face. Here, Anne erupted into a feverish frenzy, allowing herself to scream and cry aloud, even laughing at the sheer absurdity of her fate. The wife of the king, the mother of the future queen, cried out to God. This was, quote, too good for her. Whether this was an admission of guilt or a reaction to shock remained to be seen. After some time, Anne requested the Holy Sacrament be kept in her chambers so she could pray. Perhaps to reassure herself, she declared, I am the king's true wedded wife. Then Anne looked out at the Thames, hoping the tides would turn again. Up next, the tragic fate of Anne Boleyn. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. The day Queen Anne Boleyn was arrested, May 2nd, 1536, was the same day her husband told two of his three children that Anne had tried to poison them. It was also the day he had Anne's brother George, Viscount Rochford, arrested. George and Anne were later charged with incest, two crimes against the king and one crime against God. Anne was quickly convicted of high treason. She was also found guilty of conspiring to kill the king, committing adultery, committing incest, and by some accounts, practicing witchcraft. Of all these charges, none are likely. As evidenced by his six wives in 38 years, King Henry VIII was a fickle man. 
but his fickle words were law. Anne Boleyn was really arrested for a few reasons, namely, heir, affair, and influence. The first, heir. In a brief three years of marriage, Anne hadn't given birth to the son Henry desired to succeed him. One of those years was occupied carrying the future Queen Elizabeth I. So really, Anne had two years at best, during which she had three painful miscarriages. None of that mattered to Henry. He was over 40 and had no proper heir to show for it. The second, affair, or perhaps lack of one. The king had his eye on Lady Jane Seymour, one of the few women in court with the good sense not to sleep with the king until after he married her. Henry wanted what he couldn't have. The third, influence, specifically that of Thomas Cromwell. Cromwell was a climber, out for power in any form. At the time, he was minister of roles, a fancy judge for the king. He spotted an opportunity in the cracks of Henry's marriage and knew if he could help the king solve this problem, he'd be on track for a swift promotion. Between the three, Anne Boleyn was dead in the water. The week before Anne's arrest, on April 24, 1536, King Henry appointed a secret special commission. Their role? Investigate and try anyone suspected of treason. How much influence Cromwell had over this decision is unknown, but he certainly took it as the go-ahead to gather incriminating information on the Queen. Thomas Cromwell knew a few things about the Queen. She was aging vain, and prone to crass conversations with the opposite gender. So Cromwell sent spies to eavesdrop and report anything that could be misconstrued as evidence of an affair. Within a week, he had three men accused of fornicating with the Queen, Sir Francis Weston, Sir Henry Norris, and court musician Mark Smeaton. All were arrested on the basis of hearsay, and Smeaton, being a commoner, was then tortured in hopes he would confess. By May 2nd, Cromwell had raised enough question to proceed with arresting the Queen of England. She was tried hastily and found guilty. On May 19th, Anne Boleyn was beheaded. Her entire fall from grace took less than a month. In July, Thomas Cromwell was rewarded with Anne Boleyn's father's job. He quickly rose to the title of Lord Great Chamberlain, but was eventually beheaded at the behest of the king. The king married Jane Seymour and three more women after her. The tides of Henry VIII's court were never still. Centuries later, Anne Boleyn's guilt remains unclear. The overheard conversations could have been the signs of real affairs or legitimate plots against the monarchy, or they could have simply been talk. Historians paint Anne Boleyn in a glowing light, but often borrow that same light from her daughter, Queen Elizabeth I. Upon her ascendancy in 1558, Elizabeth propagandized the image of her mother as a martyr, a respectable woman killed because her position became inconvenient for a willful man. But then again, who wouldn't want their mother seen kindly by the eyes of history? Regardless, 
Anne's spirit lives on in modern media, and perhaps in the castle she was imprisoned in. Over the centuries, many visitors to the Tower of London have been spooked by the ghost of Anne Boleyn. The specter is headless, carrying her own face under one arm, reminding visitors that the only thing swifter than her fall from grace was the fall of her decapitated head. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you enjoyed this episode, check out our episode of Haunted Places on the Tower of London, which some say is haunted by the ghost of Anne Boleyn. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Maggie Admire, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 